0: T-minus 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1, 0, and liftoff.
1: Welcome everyone to this episode of the Palmetto Guardian. I'm Sergeant Chelsea Weaver, and today is going to be a little bit different for than our normal podcast. Um, so... If you're listening to this, welcome back. If you're watching this on YouTube, sorry, there's not an actual video. We're doing just audio currently because the studio is finally under construction. Um, I know we mentioned that a couple months ago, but it's finally happening. So we're still going to be posting these to YouTube. We're just going to be using graphics That way that we can still push out the content and information to everybody. So welcome everybody back. And it's just going to look a little bit different. But thank you for joining us and being patient with us during this time. I have a very special co-host with me today. I'm going to let her introduce herself.
0: And then we're going to bring in our guest. Hey, everyone. My name is Hallie Weaver. I'm a seventh grader from Pleasant Hill Middle School. And I'm going to (laughs) slay. Awesome. So yes, Hallie Weaver. She is... Um,
1: We have the same last name, obviously. She's my stepdaughter, and she is here job shadowing for the day. And what better way to break her in with public affairs than a podcast? So I'm excited to see how she does with this. But we have a guest with us today, and we're going to kind of talk about her story and see her journey through the guard. And I'm going to let her introduce herself, and then we're just going to ask some questions.
2: Hey, guys. My name is Candidate Daly, and I'm from Chapin, South Carolina.
1: Awesome. Well, thank you for stopping in with us. I know you've kind of been bombarded the last couple of days with (laughs) people asking questions and interested in your story, and we're glad that you were able to stop by and do this podcast with us. Um, So can we kind of start out with what made you want to join the South Carolina National Guard?
2: It definitely was always in the back of my mind. Growing up, the military life always kind of attracted me. Uh, I'm the first of my family, sibling-wise, to join the military. I'm also part of a blended family. I have six siblings. (laughs) That's a lot. (laughs) It is definitely a big group bunch of us, but yeah, I've always been really interested in the military aspect of life. I just never thought, for some reason, I never thought it was a possibility for me to do it. I never knew for sure what I'd want to do in it growing up, but um, when I had one of my mentors, General Brad Owens, come up to me uh, when I was in Oregon, I quickly realized it was a a possibility to do it.
1: Were there specific things that made you feel that it wasn't, or maybe just the unknowns?
2: Definitely the unknowns. I didn't have a whole informa- like a whole lot of information on it, uh, specifically for what I wanted to do in the Guard. I didn't know anybody that could tell me or guide me, and it wasn't until later that I got my mentor to guide me into the Guard.
0: How did General Owens become a mentor towards you?
2: Uh, I've known General Owens for a good bit. He actually is a patient of my dad's. My dad's a dentist in the Irmo area. He owns a practice. And my dad loves to brag about me. And he was in the office one day. And my dad mentioned that I just, I think that's when I completed my commercial rotary helicopter license in Oregon. And immediately I got a call from General Owens being like, I remember you kind of wanting to join the guard. What about now? And from there, him and I were talking over the phone a lot. And that's where he introduced me to Chief Cox as well.
1: Interesting. So how did you end up in Oregon? That
2: is a <laughs> funny story. So growing up, uh, soccer was a massive part of my life. I mean, I have started at age four and didn't stop until I graduated high school. But uh, growing up throughout high school, for me, college wasn't like, what degree do I want to major in? It was what school do I want to play soccer at? And a senior year, rolled around, and I was, like, looking at all these schools for different possible scholarships, I was realizing, I was like, I don't even know what I want to major in. I was like, I have no idea what I want to major in. I'm just looking at the easiest major so I can focus on soccer. And then I realized, well, what am I going to do after soccer? Because that's a big thing. And that's when I was like, that's, okay, it's not going to, I'm not going to go very far in soccer. I mean, after college, there's only a small possibility I go professional. And that's when I Honestly, kind of just dropped everything. Everyone was like, whoa, (laughs) why is she, like, she has great opportunities in soccer to take it far. And I was like, I think I want to take it, pursue another passion. And I always kind of had a passion for aviation. Honestly, I didn't know much about aviation. I just knew that I was always the three-year-old kid at 18 waving at the helicopters and planes that flew above me. (laughs) And that's when I started researching flight schools. And there's two different flight schools you can go to as a civilian. It's uh, could be wrong here. I always forget. It's like Part 61 or Part 141. Part 61 is just flight school. No degree comes with it. And Part 141 is you get a degree and you get your licenses. I decided to go the Part 61 route because I wanted to get it done as fast as possible because sometimes I can be a little impatient. Yeah. And that's when I found a tiny school in a town called McMinnville, Oregon. Uh, Family owned, the owners of the school, great people. And that's when I moved there. I think like shortly after graduating in 2021 from Chapin High School and moved there, like drove across the country with just me and my dog and (laughs) moved into a random house with random people that were also pilots. Next day, I started my private license. I knew nothing about flying, but like the next day I moved to Oregon, I was already flying a helicopter.
1: That's crazy. So when you first enlisted, let's kind of go back because I have tons of questions now that it you're is. like, <laughs> you're saying all these things. story. Yeah. So like when you first enlisted, what did you enlist? Like at that point, did you already know you wanted to be a pilot or did you enlist in a different MOS and then kind of found that area of the guard, I guess?
2: So when I first enlisted at that point, I already had my private instrument, commercial and certified flight instructor. And rotary wing helicopters. That is when General Owens and I were talking more, and I was talking to Chief Cox about moving back to South Carolina to, you know, take the ASVAB, take the SIF test, see if I have the opportunity to even go in front of the South Carolina Aviation Board. And that's when I when I was talking to Chief Cox, he was like it'd be best if when you enlisted you went in as a fifteen Papa flight operations specialist. And that's exactly what I did. I I joined the military, I guess you could say, swore in on January 10th of 2023. Oh, wow. I went in front of the South Carolina Aviation Board January 12th of 2023. And that's when they accepted me to send me to flight school. And then I left for basic at Fort Jackson shortly after.
1: So you just went to basic training. You haven't done any kind of advanced training training or MOS training or anything like that
2: nothing and that's like the big issue not issue but the biggest concern um with me going in front of the board was my age no military experience the only close experience I had was all of my certifications from helicopters so far so that was a kind of like a hurdle I had to jump in front of the board to prove to them that I was mature enough and would push myself far enough to get to where I am right now
0: What made you want to be a pilot?
2: I would say, I think I was 14 the first time one of my dad's friends took me up in his plane and let me fly. And, you know, he's a huge ego booster for me. I probably flew, like, really, really bad, but he (laughs) told me I flew great. And I was like, oh, I might, like, I might have a knack for this. And as well, when I told my dad my senior year of high school, I was like, hey, I'm not going to go... D1 for soccer I want to go to flight school at first he was like are you sure about this this might be a bad idea and he was telling my older sister Shay who is a big role model in my life to like convince me to stay with soccer and I was like "Mm -mm, not having it and then my dad realized soon that I was done with soccer and I was pursuing this and that's when he shared with me that I had no idea Uh, my dad did serve before I was born he was a 11 Bravo Airborne Ranger and towards the end of his military career, he threw in a warrant officer packet and was accepted for flight school and warrant officer. But life got in the way, he ended up going to medical school instead, which the Army did definitely help out a lot with that. <laughs> <laughs> and once he told me he went the warrant officer route, I was like, okay, I'm going. Like, I'm going to flight school now. Like, I want to be like my dad. I want to fly helicopters. And that was another reason, too, why I enlisted, because I was like, if my dad can do it, maybe I can do it, too.
1: That's crazy. So you, you went that whole time not even knowing any of that part of his life.
2: I Yeah, he, he's very quiet about mm-hmm. like, everything he does. For the longest time, I didn't even realize that he was part of the USA ski team. I was like, Oh,
1: okay. <laughs> well, that's nice to know, dad. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's crazy. So like, I know, I know it's hard because growing up when you're involved in something, or when you're good at something, and you change your mind. It's hard to make others understand that reasoning and all of that kind of stuff. And so for your family to try to push you to pr- keep pursuing soccer, I mean, from an outsider, I can see that because like with Hallie, she played volleyball and like, she's kind of taking a break from it, I think. And we love watching her play and like watching her progress over the short amount of time that she played. And so it's hard to watch somebody not give up on it, but not continue to push themselves to it but it's because of other things I mean she's super creative the stuff that she's doing is insane like I don't even know how she comes up with these ideas and draws these things and all that and like knows the stuff she knows but like I now I can kind of see and understand that but like for your family how does it feel or how are they supportive towards you with this Um, experience and like you completely going in the opposite direction, doing something that nobody else is really doing in your family and away from what they wanted you to kind of pursue.
2: Oh, for sure. They definitely, whenever I decided not to play soccer in college, I had plenty of coaches come up to me and say, are you sure you're making the right decision? Like the first time they've ever questioned what I was doing Mm -hmm. and even had some kind of like text messages from the college coaches that I was considering going to their colleges. And they were like, and I told them, I was like, ah, uh, thank you for the offer and the opportunities, but I'm going to go pursue a different career path. And they were like, are you sure? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> and I guess, cause like I was, I was getting full ride offers. I was getting free college. And mm-hmm. the fact that I was like, no, I'm going to go pay for flight school instead. I'm going to use the college money I saved up to go to flight school instead. Uh, my family definitely were for the first, like, three weeks, they're like, you got a lot to do. Like, you, you're you moving across the country. Or like, this is a big step and journey. Are you sure you're ready for this? And then immediately when they decided that they knew I was ready, they were immensely supportive.
1: That's awesome because that's the best. That That's what makes it so much easier doing this job and being a part of the military is having that support because when you don't have that support and you don't have people that understand, it makes it so difficult. And, I mean, I've seen it, and it, it's heartbreaking because everybody has their own reason of why they're in this uniform. And for people who are close to you to not understand and respect that decision, it's so hard. So, like, having that family support is amazing.
2: Oh, yeah. And that's why the, the military I enjoy so much because, pe- like, playing soccer for so long, I love being part of the team. Like, my teammates, it's, like, a big thing for me. On the civilian side of flying, especially from what I saw, I know I was only in flight school and I only did a few jobs on the civilian side so far. It's very cutthroat. And I don't mind cutthroat. I'm a competitive person. (laughs) But I also love a support team. And sometimes on civilian world, you're just competing for the better job. You're competing for the better pay. On the military side, from what I've seen so far, everyone is immensely supportive of each other. And it's a big team.
1: Absolutely. I mean... It, and the guard is so special because you are you're a family like it doesn't matter what unit you're in or whatever but like when we all come together or when we go out and cover all these different events or different units and stuff like we're all part of this bigger family that we're not we don't really think of sometimes
0: when you were in flight school did you ever miss soccer uh? For sure I did and there
2: was a few times in there where I was I questioned I was like did I make the right decision because a lot of my teammates were playing college soccer and I got to see so like social media uh <laughs> I love it but I hate it because I got to see the good parts and they were just having a blast and then I would call them and they'd be like oh this kind of sucks like it's not as fun as it used to be. That's why social media I kind of stay away from sometimes because it can s- seem all glorious, but it isn't. But I for sure miss soccer, and I just kept myself distracted and found other hobbies. And Oregon is a beautiful state, and that's when I found hiking. <laughs> hiking with all my other friends and other pilots who are going through school with me. We would just go on hikes and bum questions off each other, and that was the best way to study.
1: I would love to visit Colorado one day or Oregon, not Colorado,
2: Oregon and
1: Colorado. But yes, Oregon is definitely one
2: on my list. Just don't go in the winter. Oh my gosh.
1: Really? It's that bad? It's depressing.
2: (laughs) (laughs) You don't see the sun sometimes for like months and you're like, oh my gosh. Oh wow. I didn't know
1: that. What made you decide that you wanted to fly helicopters versus airplanes?
2: Helicopters? You're always on the controls you know you got both feet on the pedals you got a hand on the cyclic and you got a hand on the collective with airplanes with the opportunities that I did have a chance to fly them it was kind of like oh fun like it's fun to take off and land but once you're in in the sky you're kind of like just pushing buttons Uh. Uh, with helicopters once I did what you can do on the civilian side is see if you actually want to fly helicopters it's called a discovery flight Mm. and that's when you just go up and they hand you controls and you just go through all the motions and I loved it. And the fact that with the helicopter, you can just, you can land just about anywhere is amazing. I mean, we did a lot of cross countries in flight school. And that was when we got to land in some pretty insane places in the mountains, doing pinnacle landings and going to see Mount Hood, all these beautiful places. And I just love the opportunity you get with helicopters.
0: Um, when you were flying helicopters, was there a certain one that you preferred to fly?
2: Mostly, I flew Robinson helicopters. Uh, On the civilian side, for flight school, that's what you're going to see, majority. Um, They're definitely, I call it the Sky Scooter, because it's like the moped of the skies. (laughs) Um, They can be a dangerous helicopter if you don't fly it right, just because of the rotor system they have uh, in it, but I mostly flew the R-66, which is a turbine, mostly what all the Army helicopters are, and then the R-44. And the R-22 are the little sky scooters, what I call them, the piston helicopters. And I really enjoy the R-22. You know, it was a moped (laughs) because I could put it anywhere. And it was, it's so touchy. We had so many people, so many Army vets come in to get their civilian license that were Black Hawk, Apache pilots, Chinook pilots. And and we would take them up in the R-22 and they were all over the place because they're so used to that stiff cyclic. And then with the R-22, you move it a little bit, and it's just like, okay, we're going to go to the left.
1: (laughs) I'm glad you asked that, because one of my questions was going to be, on the military side, did you have a preferred helicopter that you wanted to fly versus what they're having you go to school for? Or were you kind of open-minded to really anything?
2: I really am open-minded to anything, because for me, flying is what makes me happy. And then more I got into it, they're like, okay, you really kind of got to, like, choose one. I was like, okay, well, I, like... I really enjoy the UH sixty Blackhawk just because of the university it has with it. Like it's very it's a, such a universal platform, whether it's long lining, rescues, or you're even like a little taxi driver. Mm-hmm. You know, with the Chinooks you're you can do long lining with the Chinooks, but you're mostly a transporter. And then with the Apaches, you're attack. Mm-hmm. But with Blackhawks, you can almost get all three.
1: Yeah, I never thought of it that way. That's actually that really makes sense.
2: <laughs> it also goes over into the civilian world the transition's easier as well if someone would like to be a national guard pilot part-time and -hmm. they want a civilian job flying and they also want a military job if you fly a black hawk you can most definitely fly a helicopter on the civilian side
0: yeah that makes sense when you were in flight school when you were flying the helicopters was there any part that was like really scary oh my gosh yes
2: (laughs) my first solo cross-country I decided so you have to get certain certifications before you go in front of the examiner to get your private commercial and for one of them it's like you need a solo cross country you need a solo um, tower meaning you go to an airport with ATC air traffic control and I decided to do all three uh, requirements in my first solo because why not I guess and it was really windy that day. And again, this R twenty two is a tiny helicopter. I mean, I have to when I fly solo in this helicopter, I have to put weights under my seat because I don't weigh enough to fly it.
1: Oh my gosh!
2: <laughs> it was so windy, and I was getting thrown around. Like I was getting updrafts. Like I would be at one thousand feet, and an Augusta of wind will blow me to two thousand feet. And I was just, I was, I was a bit nervous. But and then. After, like, a few seconds, of like, okay like, yeah, I'm fine. I, like, was playing some music over my headset, and I was like, this is actually kind of fun. And then talking to Tower for the first time solo, they always tell you to, your first time solo, tell Tower you're a student pilot. And it's a funny story because you only have to say it once, but I was nervous, so I said it after every one of my calls. <laughs> so I'd be like, Tower, November 9015, Victor. I'm like 10,000, like, you know, all this stuff. And I would say, solo student pilot every time I talked to them. And they were like, hey, you don't have to do that. And I said, well, my instructor said I had to. So I'm going to keep saying it. So listen pilot.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So you have your civilian license. You enlisted in the National Guard. You're going to warrant officer school. And then right after that, you're going to the pilot school. How do you feel about that? I mean, you've only been in like a year almost at this point. Like you haven't even really been in that long to experience a lot of the guard yet. So like, how does that make you feel kind of enlisting and then just going full force into all of this?
2: I love it and hate it at the same time, just because I don't have the army experience that all of my peers around me are going to have. And I know that some people or will be super supportive. And I know there's gonna be a few people. I mean, there's always some people like it was given to me. Like mm-hmm. sometimes it feels like it was given to me, but I like just have to remind myself I did work for this. And I know it does make me nervous, just not the whole like flight school or uh warrant officer candidate school. It's more of just the, I've only been in the army for one year. Mm-hmm. That's the only thing that's kind of like making me a little nervous.
1: Yeah. I think though too, especially going to warrant officer school beforehand, you can find a lot of mentors who have the experience and gain um, as much knowledge as you can from them. Because pr- as far as I know and everybody I've encountered, everybody's super supportive and um, they want to help those um, next to them or whether they're lower ranking than them. But um, finding that support in those people who are willing to mentor you while you're there because that's going to be a huge thing but yeah I mean I can understand where you're coming from because it is a little intimidating but obviously you did something right to get to where you are and so to keep pursuing that versus to just sit around and kind of just expect things to happen like that that's just a waste of time like you know what you want to do you've already done it in the civilian side like go for it don't don't worry about all the other stuff. I mean, it's going to come. Trust me. I've been in almost 13 years, and I still learn something every day. Like, it's insane. So, like, I can understand that. I think it'll, and it'll be fun, too, to see, like, when you come back. Because, I mean, flight school, that's what—that's a full year, isn't it?
2: About, depending on airframe, it's, like, 16, yeah. 18 months.
1: And then warrant officer school is.
2: Five to six weeks. Yeah. So, and, I mean,
1: yeah. we're looking at almost two years. So, I mean, and it's going to go by so fast. So,
2: that's crazy. I'm, I'm definitely excited for it. I'm, like, excited to cherish the moments. And, yeah, going back on the support system for Warrant Officer Candidate School, I was, like, I have, like, I have no idea what to expect. I don't know what I'm getting into. Of course, I had someone from the South Carolina National Guard that just got out of Sears School, and he's helped me out, answer some questions. And the class itself, we have a group chat just to help each other out for the packing list. Mm-hmm and making sure like our essays are done right and everyone's helping each other out on everything that we need to do to prepare and i'm like i've never met these people
0: and they're being so supportive for mm-hmm. me. Yeah, that's awesome. So, does your civilian training and experience transfer to the military? Honestly, preparing me for flight school coming up, i truly don't
2: think so cuz i feel like it's going to be like two whole different things. I think on the ground portion, it might help in the beginning, but I'm going to go in there acting like, not acting like, but just with open-minded that I know nothing. Uh, I think, yeah, I think it definitely will help a little bit on the ground school though. And maybe when we first start hovering, if I might get it within the first day, I'm <laughs> just going to be like, oh, whoa, that's crazy. All right. So
1: you going into school, do they know that you have your civilian license? Or can you kind of, like, keep that on the down low?
2: I'm not sure. I don't think they know, and the plan is to kind of just keep it on the down low because, for me, I'm, again, like, I don't think it will help me too much. I feel like the military aspect and the civilian aspect, there's kind of some difference in it. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah, that's kind of like when I went. So when I first enlisted, I was an MP, and then I transitioned to public affairs. So when I went to reclass. I was full-time, and so I had that experience, but I didn't want people to be like, oh, well, she knows it all or whatever, because I didn't know any, like, I mean, I knew some stuff, but it was, the way that the military trained you, it's specific, because, like, at um, Denfos, we train with all branches, so, like, we have Air Force, Army, Active, Reserve, Guard, Marine, Navy, like we have everybody. So like they have to grade us all on a standard baseline. So, and it might not be the same thing that we do here. And so like, I didn't want to go around and being like, oh yeah, I'm a full-time technician. Like I didn't want anybody to know because I wanted to learn and experience the same things that everybody else was experiencing and not feel like people were looking at me that I was just good at everything because I knew the job like that that was completely gone, like opposite, because uh, we did things that we don't do here. Like I got to do the radio side of it for like AFNs and stuff. This is the closest thing we get to that. That was the like most fun I had at school was doing the radio class. But like, it's just, it's fun to go in and learn something or a new way to do something that you already know how to do because there isn't just one right way. Like everybody has different things that works for them, but I'm sure as far as like the technical side and testing side, it might make a little bit easier for you understanding terms and like, I'm sure there's some kind of math and weather stuff involved. I don't know anything about (laughs) aviation. I'm just guessing, but, um, obviously some of that will help. But like you said, as far as learning how to fly that specific helicopter, like it's not going to be exactly the same as in the civilian world, but you kind of have a small idea of what to expect.
2: Oh, for sure. Yeah. Like the closest, probably the only help I'll get is like that probably the very beginning when we're going over like aerodynamics and stuff, that's like probably where I'll be like, Oh yeah, I know a little bit about this, Mm -hmm. but that's, that's about it. The mentality I kind of stay with, especially right now is I've only been in the military for like a year and two weeks.
0: Mm -hmm. And
2: so I'm just a nobody that I'm so thankful for the opportunity that the South Carolina National Guard gave me and I'm going to get taken all the knowledge I can and kind of just sit there and anyone I talk to it for me is like a mentor I'm like you've you've been in longer than me you know more than me I'm just going to listen to what you have to say.
1: That's an awesome way to look at it I know we mentioned multiple times it's only been a year but do you kind of see yourself making this into a career?
2: I would love to make it into the career. That's definitely like a. if someone asked me, "What's what do you see yourself in 10 years? I'm like, hopefully a W3, yeah, W3, W4. <laughs>
0: so what advice would you give to someone who's thinking or is going to be a pilot?
2: It is definitely okay to know nothing. I knew nothing going into this about aviation. You don't have to be some crazy freak that knows everything about aviation. I knew nothing. I knew nothing about, honestly, did not know much about the Army when I joined either, and I think it only benefited me because if you already know a lot it's gonna be hard to change you we said that a lot especially going through my certified flight instructor rating it's definitely hard to teach older people than younger people because older people are more knowledgeable and they think they know that that's the right way but you're like oh well it's kind (laughs) of this way so it's definitely okay to know nothing and be a little terrified
1: that's great advice all right. Well, thank you so much for coming in and talking with us. Um, hopefully, when you get done with your year-plus training, that you can come back and tell us about your experience and give some new advice to those who are listening and all that. But yeah, we enjoyed having having this conversation.
2: Oh yeah. Thank you for having me.
1: Absolutely. All right. Well, again, thank you everybody for being so patient with us during this time, as we're kind of working through the kinks of our studio setup and all that fun stuff. But thank you for listening. If you like this video, make sure you give it a big thumbs up. If you haven't subscribed to our channel, make sure you hit the subscribe button. And we will catch you guys in next week's episode.